Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Rivers of Living Water is here to turn our thirsty world into a Garden of Eden, freely pouring out the Word of God to our desolate world. Now, here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. Good, good morning, everyone. It's nice to be with you and, and to be able to talk to you again about the Bible and things of the Bible and things that will help us in our life, uh, our everyday life and in our spiritual life. And uh, I do want you to get a hold of me as, and tell me if my programs are helping, if there's anything that I can do, any uh, kind of subject that you would like for me to cover or just exactly uh, how things are working out with you that maybe I can help you with. I'm also, I have a master's degree in, in counseling as well as being a pastor of several years. So there are several things that I could help with and I would be more than happy to help you any way that I can. So I'm going to open up the phone right at the very beginning. So if you want to call and ask a question, today I'm going to take some of the questions that uh, people ask and answer them for you. So if you have a question that I don't cover or something that you're concerned about that you would like for me to talk about, then um, I want you to call me and We'll talk about it today. So the number is 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. You can call me anytime during the program today, and I'll give the number from time to time so that if you haven't written it down, you'll have it. And it probably is on the screen for you if you're looking at the video. So let's just take some questions that people ask and see if we can come up with a good answer today. One question is, where did Cain get his wife? Now, you know, it's kind of obvious where that he would have got his wife. It had to be one of his sisters because there was no one else on the planet except Adam and Eve and, and their family at that time. So uh, that's a pretty simple question and a pretty simple answer that it was his sister. Now today, we don't take our sisters as wives. And we don't take our cousins and our near relatives as a wife or as a husband. And there's a reason for that. Down through the years and as effect, as a result of sin, things have come about that would make it very difficult for us if we did take our near relative. The chances of having a genetic problem are greatly increased when we would take a near relative to be our wife or husband. So that kind of answers that question. Some people ask if 
God is such a good God, then why is there so much evil in the world? And, you know, they think that that really is one that they can stand on. But the truth of the matter is, God is not accepting evil, and there will be a time when God will come and straighten up all the wicked things in this world, and we will have a perfect earth, but today we don't have. It's far from being perfect. And so the wicked things that we think about, for one thing, what may be appearing to be wicked could be for our good. The Bible teaches us that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to God's purpose. And then also God has a time for everything. We notice that when Jesus came into the earth and he kept saying, I came to do the will of my Father, and of all people that everything should have worked out fine for was Jesus, who was without sin. But if you go and read the accounts of Jesus and you see the way that the religious leaders of that day treated him, and you'll begin to realize that evil is restrained to an extent. There is one that we're going to be talking about later. I'm going to ask a question about that. But evil is here because sin is in the world. And God has decided to take us out of sin before he takes us out of the sinful world. And so... Why is there evil in the world and and God is such a good God? It's the same reason that we have people that are being terribly mistreated as Jesus was because the wicked people are not being totally restrained. And wickedness is not being totally restrained. But God has made a way so that we can get out of wickedness and out of the evil. But that time will come later when Jesus comes back and sets everything right. So there is evil in the world. Some people would like to deny that. They would like to say, well, it's just an illusion. No, it's not an illusion when you have injustice done for you, done to you, I mean. it That's not an illusion. It's a very real thing. Sin and wickedness in this world is very real. But God's love is also very real. And God can take us out of anything. God doesn't choose to take us out of the evil. He chooses to take us through it. And God, being the God of power and love and grace and everything that he is, then he can take us out of the worst thing 
and he can also make some of the worst things turn out for the best thing. So one thing, we don't always understand what is happening to us, whether it's really evil or not. It might, in the long run, be for our good. It might be being used for our benefit, and we think at the time that it's an evil thing that's happening. So we we don't always have all the answers on that. But, yes, evil is in the world. It's not an illusion. It's very real. And, yes, God is a God of love and grace, and he is the sovereign of the universe. He can make things changed. There doesn't have to be the diseases and the good people being devoured by the enemy and things like this that we see. That can... That is all true, but God is also true. And God does love you, even though you have evil things happening to you, even though the best you do, it seems like the worst things become. And that's one thing that surprises people when they come to the Lord and become Christians. They think that after that, everything ought to be smooth sailing. I want you to know right up front that if you become a real Christian and you give everything to the Lord, it may turn out just the opposite from what you think. Things might get worse. You might have more difficulties than ever. That's not necessarily so, but it could be. How many people in countries that hate the Bible, hate prayer and what have you, are suffering terribly today? And you may be even one of those, or maybe your family is one of those. And But I want you to know that this is only a temporary thing. It's another thing we need to think of when we think about these evil things, that this is not permanent, that there will be a time when heaven and earth will be together. And this is the idea of, of heaven taking care of all these problems, some people talk about what we talk about as being pie in the sky by and by. But what are we going to do with what we have now? That might be another question that we ask. Well, yes, there's sin in the world, and, and maybe that's the reason why we have all these bad things happening. But what's God going to do for us now? That's fine that we're going to have heaven later, but what's he going to do for us now? I'm glad you asked. Because the grace of God is greater than anything that we go through. And the other thing is, God has promised us, if we really love him and we're serving him, that he won't allow anything to happen to us, that he doesn't have the grace to take us through it. I know this from experience. I've been with the Lord, and the Lord's been with me for over 50 years. And I can look back and honestly say, that not everything that's came into my life you would consider to be good. Far from it. And I'm just as human as you are. And so, but the thing is, God has always taken me through it. And now I can look back over it and I can see some of the things that I thought was so bad 
God really did turn them out for my good. So it's something that we have to take by faith, and we have to lean heavily upon the Lord. So what does it mean when we're, we have the expression that we're under the shadow of the Almighty? Now, this is something that I recently rethought, and when we're talking about under the shadow, we're talking about being pretty close. If you're shadowing someone, if if you're under that shadow, then that means that you're close to that person. And so when it talks about being under the shadow of the Almighty, it's talking about hanging close to your shepherd. The shepherd loves the sheep, and he gave himself for the sheep. So hang close to the shepherd. It's the same now, what does the Bible mean when it says that we're to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God? And what does that mean? Well, it means that we're under God's control. When we're under the mighty hand of God, we're under his control. We're at our first break. So this is Howard Eugene Wright. You're listening to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Now, more Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com with your host, Howard Wright. I trust that what I've been telling you is helpful to you, and you know we've been talking about why so much evil in the world if God is so good, and you have to know the Lord to really realize how good He really is. You, We can fuss about some of these things as much as we please, but when you really know Him, you understand these things better. But I do know that there is a lot of questions today about things like this. But I was talking about humbling yourself under the hand of the Almighty and was explaining what that was about. But I did tell you that I would give you the phone number from time to time. So the phone number which you can call and talk to me, and uh, this is a talk show which you can get involved in, and I trust that you will. We want you to. It's 888-463-6748. And so if you have a question or if you have a comment about a question, uh, feel free to call me and we'll talk to you about it. But humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God is something that really is a good thing. And that means that God has full control of our lives. Now, something will have control of our lives. It could be self-pity. It could be anger. It could be 
a violent spirit. It could be the devil. It could be a lot of things that could have control of our lives. But if we allow God to be God in our lives, it sure makes a lot of difference. So why should I do this? Why should I allow God to have full control of my life? Why shouldn't I just do it myself? Why should I stay behind, close to, be under the shadow of the Almighty? Because that's the very best place that you can be. That's the safest place you can be. And in the world that we're living in today, which is becoming more evil by the moment, about the time that you think you've seen the worst, something else comes up. And I don't want to be a person that is pessimistic because I'm really not. I, I'm a optimist and not a pessimist, but I want you to know that the world being like it is now, you might be looking for the worst before you see the best. Because when we have no laws and things like this, you need to be closer to God than you've ever been if we're going to make it through some of the things that are here today. And they may even get worse. But God does take care of his own. And when you let God have his way in your life, then he frees you from a lot of worry, a lot of concerns that you would have otherwise. The Bible tells us to cast our care upon him because he cares for us. And it tells us not to be anxious in anything, but by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. God is a good God, and he does love you, and he does want the best for you. And when you submit yourself completely to him, you will have the best. You may not have, be the richest person in the world, and you may not be the most popular person in the world. And a lot of things that people look for and, and they seek after and, and they'll do about anything to get it, that isn't necessarily what's going to satisfy you. That isn't going to give you contentment and peace. But the Bible does tell us that when we really give our lives completely to the Lord, then we are God's children. And when we're children of God, God takes good care of his children. He takes good care of his family. And I can vouch for that with my own self. I'm not the richest person in the world as far as worldly things are concerned, but I am rich in faith and rich in Christ, and and I do have a contentment about me. I have uh, feel the love of God and and feel the the grace of God and and all of these things and the peace of God, the fruit of the spirit that I'm uh, my program is based upon the rivers of living water that flow out from us, that is ours. And actually that is more valuable than all the houses and the lands and the rubies and the pearls and and the popularity and the fame and, and the control that some people would like to have 
over others. That all comes and goes. But the Word of God and God Himself, He's here. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He will take care of His own people. You can be assured of that. Now, there are many questions that you have, so you have the phone number. Be sure, if you want to, you can call, and uh, I'll answer any of those questions that you may have. And if you have a personal question, a personal thing that you're going through, and I can help you, I would be more than happy to do so. Now, if you're a little bashful about maybe talking to me over the radio or something like that, you can contact uh, TalkZone, and, and you can give them the question, and they could give it to me as well. Or, you know, uh, but I am interested in you not just sit here and talking about this and the other week after week, but to really get involved and uh, have a personal communication that uh, I can help some people with not just general things that I say, but with also with personal things that you may have that I might be able to help you with. I have a counseling type of service that has been able to help an awful lot of people. And it goes like this. First you get right with God. Then you get right with other people. Then you are right with yourself. And when you're right with God, right with other people, and right with yourself, then you're a very happy camper indeed. It, it's really amazing some of the things that I've seen in my counseling. Uh, the secular counselors gave up, and mine's Christian counseling, naturally because I'm a Christian, and I've seen some pretty marvelous things happen from people that have been doped and what have you, and I've seen God step in, and we have prayer with people, and and we uh, sit down and and uh, talk about the problem. But then we find an answer, and there's always an answer not too far away. You don't have to get discouraged and bewildered and think, well, this is a question that no one can answer. All the questions in the world have been answered, and they've been answered very well. They may not be the answer that you want, and even the one you think you need, but the answer is there. The truth of the matter is, Jesus is the answer to any problem. So we might ask ourselves the question, why is it that Christians think that their Savior, the Lord Jesus, is the only answer to every problem? Why is it that uh, they're all the time saying, well, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to go to the devil's hell and things like this. And that can really frustrate some people. And it does frustrate people. But let's look at it this way. There's only one God. Okay, some people think, no, there is a lot of God. But uh, there isn't. There's only one true living God who is the creator of the universe. He's created all things. And um, he's also, we've told you, he's the ruler or the sovereign of the universe. And 
So when sin came into the world, that was an offense to God because God is a holy God. And so it was up to God to decide what we could do to turn that offense away. And so us being sinners and being against God and having this thing inside of us that fights against God, then there had to be a way to get back to God because sin separates us from God. It doesn't make any difference if you had a relationship with the Lord, a very good relationship with God. If you go into sin, which is rebelling against God, then God set up a way that we could get back to him. But every sin needs to be paid for. Every unjust thing needs to be made right. That's the reason why when we become Christians, the first thing we do is turn from our sins. The Bible refer to, refers to that as repenting. So here we are on our next break, and I'm Howard Eugene Wright at TalkZone.com, and Rivers of Living Water is the program. Welcome back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. Thanks for coming back. We were just talking about why is Christianity the only religion? Why is it the only way to God? And the answer is that God was the one that decided how that people would get back to him, and he has made a way through the Lord Jesus, and he, that's the only way that he has made. There's not a number of ways. There's not, you know, people say, well, all paths lead to God. Not really, and that doesn't even make good sense. All paths don't lead to Chicago. I'm sitting here in Kansas, and if I take off going west, I'll never get to Chicago from here, regardless of how hard I try. And the scenery might be good and everything is pleasant, and yet I'll never get to Chicago. And any other place that I'm trying to get to, if I try some other way except the directions, then I'll miss it regardless of how good I feel about it or uh, regardless of how nice it might look, I'm still missing it and I'll be lost. Have you ever been at a time when you're driving down the road and, and you think that you're driving down the right way and, and maybe your companion beside of you says, I think we're going the wrong way. And you say, oh, no, no, that's not right. I, I know how to go. Don't don't talk to me about that. I'll just keep right on going like I am. And finally, you come down and you say, well, we are lost. 
And you, th- I thought, you know, even though my companion said, I think we're lost. You see, my companion was looking at the map, and I was looking at something else. And the map said, this is the way you go. And I was going just the opposite, perhaps. Or I was on the wrong street. And there's a lot of people who have been barking up the wrong trail and have gotten more confused by the moment. But And the Bible does say that there is a way that seems right to a man or a woman or anyone else, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It's so easy to get lost, and it's even easier when you're already lost. And the Bible tells us if we haven't turned our life to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, we're lost. We're going the wrong way. We're doing the wrong thing. And so the next question is, why can I trust the Bible? You keep telling me the Bible says this and the Bible says that. Well, isn't the Bible just a regular book? Isn't it just another book? Didn't a bunch of people get together over a number of years, uh, centuries really, and they all wrote that book and isn't that just about the same as as people today? A lot of people get together and write books. So what makes the Bible so special? That's a good question as well. And it demands a good answer. So how do we know that the Bible is really the book that we should be following? There's a lot of other religious books. There's a lot of other religious scriptures, we would call them scriptures. So why is the Bible so important? Well, the the Bible is our operation manual. And God is the one in the long run that wrote the Bible. And all these people that we see, like Peter, James, and John, and and Paul, and, and Matthew, and and Samuel, and Moses and all these other people that were writing, and the prophets, or several of those, um, they were writing under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. They were kind of like stenographers. God told them what to say, and they said it. And he used their personalities to work through them. So you, you find... In one part of the Bible, you see a personality type, and in another one, another personality type. You see, we're all different. We have different personalities. Actually, there's five different kinds of temperaments that we could have, and those temperaments are uh, can all be... It's a rather complicated thing, and I don't have time to talk about all that. But God knew every one of us, and he has precepts, he has examples, he has warnings in there, he shows people that did it the wrong way, shows people that did it the right way, there's parables, there's direct statements, there's commands, and on and on it goes, because he is dealing with the whole world, and he's dealing with everyone, but how is it that the Bible is so unique? For one thing, 
if I was writing the Bible, and I think if you were writing the Bible, you would be sure, and if you were the guilty one, you'd make sure that didn't end up in there. But Paul, there are so many things in the Bible that that people did sin, and yet it's there for our example that we be careful we don't do the same thing. When we get overconfident, then we find out that we'll fall for sure. We've got to keep watching, and we've got to keep close to God, like I told you earlier. And if we don't do that, then we will have trouble. But the Bible is God's Word, not just because we find a few Bible verses that says so, but we see confirmation of that in a number of ways. The Bible is not some kind of a mystical book that you can't understand, but because of sin, many times people don't understand it. And if you don't understand it, you can be contemptible of it. And so there's a lot of contempt of the Bible. There was people, and there are still people, who would just like to burn the Bible or just forget about it. And when that happens, and you don't take the precepts and the examples, which I told you the Bible is our operation manual. And if we don't do that, then we find ourselves in all kinds of trouble, and we're, we've got all kinds of trouble today because we have decided we could do it our own way. But God has been merciful to us in giving us his word and in a number of different languages, so that people can understand it. And like I said, if you're, if you're away from God, you'll have a hard time understanding some of the things that are in the Bible, but that doesn't mean they're not true. And the moment that you become a real Christian, you turn from your sin and you let Jesus be your Savior and God is your Lord, then you'll understand it a lot better because you'll be closer to the author. It's always easier for the author to tell you what he's talking about. And so when you know God, and the Bible tells us that the Spirit of the Lord leads us into all truths, that's one thing that he does. So you can understand a lot better when you have the author telling you what it is. But some people will say, well, there's a lot of contradictions in the Bible. There is, if you take the scripture out of context, or if you don't understand what it is talking about. For example, Jesus said, no man has seen God at any time. And yet, the Bible tells us over in uh, with Moses, it said Moses saw God. And so what are we talking about? Jesus said no one's seen him. And Moses, which was a long time before Jesus, it says that he did see it. So there's a difference in the way that we can see people. And that's what it amounts to. When Jesus was talking, he was saying you didn't see God in all of his glory and his power, and you didn't see all of his grace and strength and so on and so forth. If a person was to see God in that light, we would be overwhelmed by it, and we wouldn't last very long. But on the other hand, Moses seen God, 
in a way that not very many people have. Moses came down from the mountain and his face was shining so much that people couldn't even look at him. So Moses saw God, but God told Moses, he said, when you see me, I can't show you all of me. So you get in that rock over there, I'll put my hand over it, or I'll have my, I'll make it in such a way that you'll just see part of me. So Moses saw part of God, and that was enough for his face to shine. And when we become Christians, we see God too. We don't see him visibly. God is a spirit. And so we don't see him that way, but we do see God. We see his hand of God. We see the working of God. We see God's providence in things, things that could never happen otherwise except through God doing it. So that's really not a contradiction at all. And there are others, many other things like that. They look through the Gospels and, and they see one time, a record of one account with the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and one of them has a little bit to say on one thing, another one has a little to say on the other thing. And if you scramble that up good enough, you can make it contradicted. But when you look at it and take a good look, you'll find out that that is not a contradiction at all. It's just different parts that different people see. If you see an accident, wouldn't you look at it a little different? Someone would say, well, is that a red car or was that a black car that you saw? Uh, was two cars involved or was three cars involved? And and uh, all of that, you see. And like I told you, when God wrote the Bible, he used people's personalities. He used, he used people, but every word that that is there is true because he supervised what was to be written in. So when we see the four Gospels and there's different things in the Gospels, none of those contradict each other. You just have to get the sequence right. And when you get the sequence right and you put it all together, it's amazing how it all fits together. So that's one thing. The Bible does not contradict itself, even though it was written by about, I believe, 40 people over a period of maybe 1,800 years. Now, have someone like that writing a book today. All those different people, they were in different continents. They were, uh, one of them was over in Babylon. Uh, some of them was here and, and there, you know. Uh, how could you have a book, any kind of a book, that would fit together as good as the Bible does unless there was an author that was doing the book. Okay, we're at our next break. So this is Howard Eugene Wright. This is Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com. This is Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com with your host, Howard Wright. I appreciate you staying with me, and I trust that some of these answers will be helpful to you 
it's kind of hard to give a total, complete answer in just a short period of time, but I am trying to give you some things to think about that you'll realize that there are some answers to maybe some questions that you're really concerned about today. And so the Bible is God's Word because God wrote it. And um, so if you had a number of different people writing a book over hundreds of years, and how would it turn out if each one was just doing the writing? you think it would come anything close to what the Bible looks like today? I really don't think so. You would have a scrambled up mess. And yet, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. And Jesus is the central figure. And so you might ask, well, why can't some of these others be the central figure? Why do we have to have Jesus? The thing that really aggravates people is when Christians stand up and say, hey, if you don't come the way of the cross and the way of Jesus, then, then you're really getting messed up. But just look around and look at the people who are defying the Bible, defying the Lord Jesus, defying all these things, and you'll find out that the Bible is very true. As a matter of fact, the Bible is so true, some people don't read it because it tells on them, and they don't want to be told on. And why did Jesus go to the cross? It's because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And they couldn't stand Jesus because Jesus was a perfect example of the way that we should live. And it was a rebuke to them every time they seen him. Jesus went around doing good. So why should Jesus, the wonderful, gracious Savior that he was and that he is, why should he face the torture and the problems and the difficulties and everything that he did because men love darkness rather than evil and they can't stand Jesus because he is so much of a rebuke to the sinful nature that's within us and I was just recently just reading the account of the trial of Jesus and you know, of what they did to him, and they just couldn't do enough. They just kept on badgering. And when Pilate wanted to let him go, they didn't want to do that. And it was because of envy. And many times the reason why that, that people will fight Jesus is because they want to be the Lord. They don't want anyone else to be the Lord. And, you know, one thing the Bible does teach us that we ought to obey God rather than man. So when a person stands up and tells you to do something that's contrary to the Bible, I don't care who they are, where they are, and what position they're holding, we ought to obey God rather than man. And so when that is the situation, that's the reason many times that Christians are being persecuted. Why are Christians being persecuted? When you don't have a tyrant 
that is ruling, then Christians are very well loved and respected. But when a person gets in there that that he wants to be God or she wants to be God, then you're really in trouble. You can find this in your homes. You can find it in your communities, even on a national and international level. And it's always the same thing. It's a power struggle. It's who's going to be in charge here anyhow. And if a person decides they're going to be, then and we have someone that, that says, I ought to obey God rather than man, and you're telling me things that is totally against God, then it looks like, uh, you know, that people will get a little rattled with that. But it's not God's fault, you know, and it's not Jesus' fault, and it most certainly is not the Christian's fault. The Christian really cares for you. They really love you. They they are not interested in giving you a hard time of it. And you'll find that when things really get rough, the Christian will be right in there helping everyone. He'll be praying for even for his enemies. He'll be praying for those as well. So you you can be assured that that God does love you and the reason He's telling you the truth. People who don't love you, they'll just let you go by with anything. But people who really love you is going to tell you the truth because they want the very best for you. And that's what Christians are doing. They're not trying to give you a hard time of it. They're trying to get you out of the hard time you're you're in or you will be in if you don't turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. So why are we doing this? Why are we telling people that today is the day of salvation, to turn to God now, and things like this. You know, of all the things that gets people riled up the most and will turn you off the fastest is the very thing that do you the most good. Have you ever noticed that? So many times you'll see that. The things that will do us the most good is... Sometimes the things we fight the hardest. And I used to think about, you know, the medicines that you would take. It seemed like the more bitter the medicine was, the more it did you good. And you have to get to the place where you're willing to take and do things God's way if you want to have the best results in life. And so... People will ask, well, why is that? Sometimes you can't give them a straightforward answer. So the Bible tells us that we should be ready to give of the hope that's within us, give an answer of the hope that's within us. And, you know, we can know Jesus. I know for myself. And a lot of other people could stand up and say the same thing. And you can know him as well today. And and it's amazing to me that the video was doing great. And now it seems to be getting a a little foggy. The moment I started talking about Jesus. (laughs) Isn't that strange that that kind of thing would happen? It seems like 
I'm not uh, paranoid or anything like that, but this program was doing really good until I started mentioning that Jesus is the only way. And then things begin a little hazy on my screen. And what do you think it is? Is that a coincidence? Maybe so. But I'll tell you, the world hates Jesus. And today, there's a lot of tyranny going on. And we might ask ourselves as Christians, do I submit to everything that's before me today? Let me just answer this for the last question. As a Christian, am I supposed to be a peacemaker? Am I supposed, while the world is falling to pieces? The answer is you're supposed to be a peacemaker. But you're supposed to help people to make peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can be a peacemaker by helping people to make peace with God. And we don't have to submit to everything a tyrant puts before us. We're not children. We don't have to be told how many hours we can keep our furnace running and what have you. We need to take our own personal responsibility for things. And we can't do that if we're being told, given a book and say you keep this manual, and it's not, it's against the Bible, it's against everything you think, it's against all your principles, but you do it because I said it. Well, no, you don't have to do that. And you shouldn't do that. As a Christian, God is your first love. And when you love God, you're going to love other people too. You don't take a better, hateful spirit. You don't go out and beat people up. You're nonviolent, but at the same time, you will not go against God and His Word for anything or for anyone. It's just that simple. So stand up for God and love Him and let Him have His way with you. And I trust that what I've said to you today will help you some. If you got aggravated with some of the things, that I said, then maybe you ought to think about those a little bit and ask yourself, why am I getting aggravated? The man's just trying to help me to see something that's going to be helpful to me. We're at the end of our program. My name is Howard Eugene Wright, and this is Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com. We're signing off for today. I trust that you'll look at the books that's been advertised and that you'll take advantage of that and that you'll give us some kind of uh, feedback. Thank you. Have a good day. Amen. Amen.